Okay, world, it's time for the last book of the Bible, Revelation. A book that I'm hoping is easy to explain. Right, Phil? Well, maybe not the easiest book. According to this expert, Revelation is one of the most complicated books in the entire Bible. Oh, um... Okay, well, that's just one expert. And this expert says Revelation is one of the most difficult books in the entire Bible. Oh, dear. Maybe we should just skip this one and call it a day. Great idea. Thanks for coming, everyone. Drive safe. Oh, wait, wait, wait. We, we can't skip Revelation. Why not? It's complicated. It's difficult. And that's exactly why lots of people skip Revelation. But Revelation tells us how our story ends. The story that started with God planting a garden, a place for us to live with him in a relationship that was broken by sin. Don't you want to know how that story ends? I know how the story ends. We go to heaven and we sit on clouds. The end. Ah, that's how many people think the story ends. But that's not what the Bible says. Wait, what? The Bible doesn't end with us sitting in heaven. The Bible ends with heaven and earth coming together and being made new. You're kidding me. And this is in Revelation? What are we waiting for? Let's dive in. I was waiting for all the children to be doing cartwheels and... They're like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love those guys. They got a very true story. Um, I'm so excited to start this new series. Um, how's everyone doing this morning? Sounds good. You guys bring your appetites today? That's good. Can you smell your favorite dish cooking out there? I want to make sure everyone's engaged and ready this morning, so um, I would like to give our friends listening online, and they are growing and growing in number, a big warm um, at the cross welcome, Uh, and and just wait a second, instead of just kind of wishing them a a good morning, um, I was thinking we would maybe lift them up with something a little more special. Um, How about on on three, we're going to let them in on some good news. How about on three, we will tell them the name of the sermon under Revelation. Two, three. The king is coming! That's some good news. That was awesome. You know, even though we don't know that the day or the hour of Christ's return... It shouldn't keep us from, from being excited about it. Um, it's coming to a life near you soon. I got a sister in the back that's feeling me. Thank you. Well, welcome everyone to our brand new series, A Study of Revelation. And today's lesson, you guessed it, the King is coming. Uh, you know, a few weeks ago, while we were in Through the Eyes of a Lion... Um, I started my search, Um, I started praying to God, asking him uh, what his calling was uh, for us, what our next direction would be for our next series, and so about a week ago, um, the Lord answered me, and uh, he put the the book of Revelation on my heart, and I thought, Revelation? 
Wow, okay, this is going to be exciting. So uh, if you guys could help me out, I, I want to get sort of like a, a, a pulse of the room, a show of hands. How many of you have read the entire book of Revelation? Entire book of Revelation. Almost half of us. Um, and then how many of you would say that you have a good understanding of the book and, and what it means as far as its language, um, its symbols, its prophetic uh, message um, throughout the book? How many of you would say that you've got a good grasp of that? So we're, we're half of that. So, so we're down to about 20% of us. Um, so first off, if you didn't have your hand raised, don't feel like you're being singled out or alone on this. Um, we just heard from my, mu- my Muppet friends over here. Uh, it's a fairly common problem um, in the church today. So I truly believe um, this is why the Lord laid the book of Revelation, this message, um, on my heart for us today. And so I'm so grateful to be able to be doing this with all of you. Um, now there's a, a reason why um, this book is in the Bible. Um, First of all, the early Christians um, accepted this book very early on as inspired scripture from the Lord himself. Um, There was a process of vetting um, all these writings that were coming out um, of the first century, and and Revelation was smack dead right in there. That that wasn't um, even questioned. They immediately recognized, here is the inspired word from the Apostle John, Jesus' own disciple, who wrote the Gospel of John, who, who, th- who wrote the, the three epistles of John, this book belongs in the New Testament, they said. And the best place to put it is at the end of the New Testament, because it's all about Jesus' second coming. The book is key to answering the big questions, when and how, of Jesus' return. When. So it's an appropriate way to end the entire canon scripture that begins with the creation in the garden and it ends in the eternal city in the new Jerusalem. Bible prophecy is not just about what's going to happen in the future. That's certainly a part of it. Certain events will occur. But the most important thing is not what is going to happen, but who is going to come. It's ultimately all about him, all about Jesus, who dares to say to his own disciples, if you will search the law and the prophets and the Psalms and the writings, it's all about me. We have the right to ask Jesus, who do you think you are? Are you the prophesied Messiah? Yes, Are you the Savior that should come? Yes. Jesus teaches his apostles which scriptures were about him. We saw this last week in Luke chapter 24 as he opened the minds of his followers for whom the scriptures foretold. Take your Bible and find the book of Revelation. And we're going to begin in chapter 1, verse 1. And uh, as we examine these prophecies of the future, it's my goal that over the next couple of weeks, these lessons and his spirit can help to clarify the, the message of the revelation. Prophecy is meant to help us, not to confuse us. God didn't set out to write a confusing book. Rather, he gave us pictures and symbols to do the opposite. 
We just need to hear his word, and that includes all of the Old and of the New Testaments. So what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks is survey the, the general content of this great book of prophecy. And as we go through the book, I'm going to preach with a view of keeping the, the big picture in mind. I want to encourage you that, that during the week, that throughout the, the week in between our Sundays together, to read the chapters in full what we're going to be touching on today. And you can also follow the, the plan as we've set up some resources to help you along in the Bible app um, you'll see in your bulletin. I want you to have a total understanding of each chapter. You'll see on the top left of your notes, as I mentioned, um, on the back there on the notes section and the top left on the inside of your bulletin, I've highlighted some of these themes. I'm not going to be spending a bunch of time on on explaining each of these themes. We're doing a a major outline, a sermon series, but these are going to help give you the resources that while I fill in the blanks, that kind of help you along in your study. These are for you for when you're reading at home. There are additional outlines, and so I encourage you to save those. And all of this should help you to stay better focused on what Jesus wants to show you. Oh, and also in a few weeks, our, our Thursday night study, coincidentally, right, in, in a few weeks, uh, the Max Lucado studies that we do, guess what book we're going to be starting? Revelation, huh? Uh, so I believe with all of these resources, it's really going to help to equip you, really going to allow uh, the, the Holy Spirit to lead you, and he will guide you through this process. All right, everyone, find Revelation. If not, we, we pull it up on the screen. Let's start appropriately in chapter 1, verse 1. Now, I remind you again that the scripture itself is inspired through, through the word of God. The titles that have been added to the books, they were added later on. Most of our printed Bibles will say the, the revelation of St. John. Maybe you have that in your Bible. But that was never the, the original. The title of the book is found in the first verse. It's the revelation of who? Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ which God gave unto him. To show his servants things which must shortly or, or suddenly or instantly come to pass. And he sent and he signified it by his angel unto his servant John. So as we launch into the book of Revelation, we are, we're looking at a book that claims to come from Jesus Christ himself. That he is the divine author of the book. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. John is the the human author, the instrument in which the book is going to be written down. Jesus is revealing the future. Now in the Greek in which the the text was originally written, the word revelation means the word apocalypse. Uh, It is the unveiling, like pulling back the curtain. It reveals what is behind it. Hence, in English, it is the revelation of that which is coming in the future. Since Revelation uses the number seven frequently, I have chosen to summarize this series into into seven points. We'll call point one the the preface uh, of the book, and point one will introduce us to the title of the book and to the occasion in which the book was written. 
Uh, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ that he gave to John. John, the last living disciple at the end of the first century. Uh, he has, according to church history, left Jerusalem in the 1960s AD. He has been to Asia Minor, what today would be the, the country of Turkey. He is following in the footsteps of the Apostle Paul and Timothy, who had served at the church of Ephesus before him. John goes to serve at this church as well, to which Paul wrote the book of Ephesians 2. And, and what an amazing church, huh? you got Paul, Timothy, John. Pretty good heritage of people ministering to your church. How about that? But the years have gone by now. It's the end of the, the first century. It's, a, it's about 95 A.D., the Roman Emperor Domitian has commissioned that all peoples, all peoples, including the Apostle John, and all Christians, bow down and recognize the Emperor as God. There were other emperors that, that thought that they were God before this, or were even worshipped as God by his own people, but uh, former emperors had not made the, the Christians worship them, not, had not made it illegal, had not made it a crime. But times have changed. John's almost 80 now and, and refuses to bow down to worship the emperor or any other god. He is arrested by the Roman government and he is exiled to the island of Patmos. It's about 40 miles off the coast of Asia Minor, modern, modern day Turkey. It's there he will receive this message. Notice what he says in verse 2. Before we read that, let's read it, um, go back in, in 1. You'll notice in John's writing style, verse 1, verse 2, he, he speaks in a whole lot of series of triplets or, or in threes. And this is consistent with the apostles' uh, writing style. Um, you can... You can um, that, that's all right. So the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servant, things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. Verse 2, he bore, witness, he bore record of the word of God, presumably the, the Old Testament, and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, the, the New Testament, and of all the things that he saw. Now, most of the book of Revelation assumes the reader has read and understands Old Testament. And as we continue through the book, you're going to notice John's use of Old Testament symbols, such as priests, lamb, sacrifice names, uh, Jezebel, Babylon, the, the throne of God. Of the 404 verses that are contained in Revelation, 278 of them are drawn from Old Testament passages. He uses the terminology, borrows sections of Scripture in his writings. And then he uses New Testament terminology, such as the bride, the, the bride of the church, the bride of Christ, the Son of Man, the, the first resurrection, the, the second death. And then sometimes what he's writing about is not Old or New Testament, but it's what he saw. If you were like smart things in, in your Bible, uh, I, I always like to kind of label things or underline things that, that might bring something back to me. Um, I underline the word saw at the end of verse 2. It, it is a vision of what John saw into the future. So there are times he tries to describe the indescribable. 
Something flies by. He's never seen anything like that before. He says it has a face like a man, had long hair like a woman, and shot fire out of the back end of it. I don't think he had a clue as to what it was. He'd never seen anything like this before. Even under the, the inspiration of the, the Holy Spirit, th- there were no words in first century language to, to even describe some of this stuff. It was the best that he can do. I heard a, a preacher back in the 1970s say, yeah, it was a couple of hippies riding a motorcycle. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think so. It, it's some kind of modern weaponry uh, that's beyond what John's imagination can, can tell or describe. So there are times he will use terms like, there were streets that were like gold, but they were transparent, and you could see through it. He's using word pictures to help us understand what it is that he saw. And he's writing as fast as he can to record what it is that he saw. And like a person watching a movie, you know, needing to, to write down all, all these notes, he's moving as fast as he can. And, and that's why if you read it in, in the original Greek, it appears to be a little bit jumbled with some broken sentences. And that's left open the door for opponents to say, this is another John writing this, or, or the Apostle John having lost his mind. You, you can't uh, buy into the book of Revelation. Um, this is evidence that, that, that he wasn't the author. Um, however, the vast majority of biblical scholars agree John, the Apostle, is the author of Revelation. Um, this is supported by his literary form, the, the words that he, he uses. Uh, though gargled in, in the original text, uh, John still repeats phrases that he used previously that he's also identified, his previous books he wrote that he's identified in. His knowledge is also evidence which identifies him as a, a Palestinian Jew with a vast knowledge of the Old Testament. Uh, they're complaining because he's not writing in the same style Greek as his original writings. Um, this is often the case that you get when, when people kind of like to try to pull apart the Bible. And they go, he, he, he wrote this. Uh, there's no way he wrote that. It, it's one of the go-to arguments uh, for people trying to tear apart the Scripture and put doubts and holes into God's holy word. Um, you know, they're complaining he's not writing that same Greek style. No kidding. John's maybe, you know, now close to 90 years old at this point. He's a prisoner, remember, on the island. He has this vision. He's enraptured up into the heaven. He's writing as fast as he can to record the vision. Sorry if my writing's a little messy, right, guys? So let's move on to verse 3. You'll see we have another triplet in it. First of all, blessed is he... Who reads it? Secondly, that they hear the words of this prophecy. It's a, it's a prophecy. And thirdly, that keep those things which are written therein. So I'm going to read it. I'm going to hear it. We're going to keep it. And we're going to experience the blessing that's promised in this book. Let's jump ahead to the latter part of, of verse 9. Let me encourage you again that the verses we're, we're jumping over are powerful and important, so hopefully you can read them throughout the week. Revelation is the best book written by far. Not, not, not just the brilliance of it is, is mind-blowing for, for uh, the time period. I mean, I'm no expert in writing for, for like today's times, but I would challenge this book, it, it, its writing style, 
its descriptions against anything written today. It's just an amazing read. So the rest of verse 9, John says, I was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. He's been arrested. He's been exiled to the island of Patmos. There, there it is. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, on Sunday, on, on resurrection day. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. Verse 11. Saying that I am the Alpha and the Omega the first and the last. The first and the last letters in the Greek alphabet. This is, again, is a vision. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. This is Asia Minor, uh, where the, 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 the name Asia has come from, modern-day Turkey, to Ephesus, to, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to, to Sorry, to Thyatira and the Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. John is stunned as he hears the voice of the Lord speaking to him with power and authority and commissions him to write down the vision. Then he tells you in verse 12 And I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. A Jewish reader immediately identifies this as the menorah. The menorah is the symbol of the seven churches. But most of Revelation uses this symbolic language, but but they they are symbols of reality. They're not just random symbols that, well, you know, some people might think this or that. If you're a Jewish reader, at that time, you're reading and go immediately, this is a tool that helps me read and understand doesn't mean that's strange or cryptic. The symbols are meant to be, not to be difficult, but to help us understand them. They're rather like word pictures that are there to help us understand the book. The Jewish reader at the time would definitely immediately know, oh, the seven candlesticks, that, that's the menorah. Verse 13. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, some translations say in the, the mill, one like unto the Son of God, clothed with a garment down to the foot, with a golden sash around his waist. He sees the risen, glorified Christ, moving in the midst of the candlesticks, which is the symbols of the seven churches. Jesus appears as the high priest of heaven, dressed as the high priest, and yet as Lord of the church. Then he says in verse 14 and 15, His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. Literally, in the the Greek text, it translates, his eyes shot out fire from them. And the whiteness is not age. It's a symbol of holiness. Uh, It represents um, his righteousness. Verse 15, And his feet like unto fine brass as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. What description. Verse 16. And he had in his right hand seven stars. That's a symbol. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. It's the symbol of the spoken word. As Jesus appears in the book of Revelation, he appears in battle mode. 
with the sword of his mouth. What does the the Bible tell us? Your word is like a two-edged sword. It's a symbol of the word of God. He spoke the word into creation. He's the one who will speak the judgment at the battle of Armageddon. I remember later about that sword. It becomes important. And his face was as the sun and shined with all of his strength. You ever hear about a a lot of people that have, that have died for a little while and, and, and experienced death for a little bit and, and experienced the, the Christ and throughout scripture and testimony. I mean, it, 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 the, like the sun, right? Verse 17. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. This is John, his own disciple, the disciple that, that leaned his shoulder on him at the, the Last Supper, the only disciple who showed up at the cross, the disciple to whom he said, you know, take care of my mother from the cross. There's not another disciple who has a more intimate relationship with Christ, and yet John now sees him for the first time you know, since the resurrection. It's, it's been 60 years since then. He sees him in his glory like he did on the Mount of Transfiguration and all of his power and his majesty and, and his deity. And John said, I fell on my face in front of him. I could not stand in his presence. Don't think it'll be a casual thing one day when we just end up in, in heaven and say, oh, hi, I'm here. Hey, where's Jesus? I want to meet him. John's on his face. Where do you think you and I will be? On your face. But then this tender touch, finishing in 17, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. John, uh, it's me, Jesus. You're not alone. You're not abandoned. I have come for you. I have a job for you. Get up. We're going to write a book. It's going to change the course of history. That's the preface uh, as simple as I can make it. The risen and glorified Christ. He assures his closest and only living disciple that, that he has the future under control. And that the stage is set for the great unveiling. The kingdom age is near. You know, the last few months, our, our series have been a, a message of hope amongst trials and tribulations of this world, going back to our, our different series. We saw Peter calling on his brothers and sisters to remember who they were, even in the face of, of severe persecution at the hands of the Emperor Nero. You remember they were being burnt alive, tied to the trees, one of the most violent men in history, Nero. They were called, though, to be God's very own chosen people. They were called to be a a royal priesthood without any formal training. In our last series, we saw how through one family's faith, even in the shadow of death, that they chose to look at their life's trials with a, a different lens that they had a hope as strong as an anchor with a chain that connects to God who, who's not a million miles away. 
sitting out in the stars, that heaven is a lot closer than we think. The book of Revelation, we're going to cover some, some scary stuff. The end of the world will no doubt see, see more blood spilt at one time than in, ever in history. But Jesus is preaching his own gospel song in this book. He tells John and all who believe, I, I've got a plan. I've already won the war. I want to bring my children home with me where all the world's pains can be gone. We didn't get too far today, but if the Lord chooses not to come in between, we'll jump back into it next week, pick it up next Sunday. We've got all this great food to eat. But I just want to invite anyone here today who feels the calling on their heart. You can come forward today. We can talk about that. Whatever's going on through your mind, we can pray about it. Whatever it is that, that you need. I just want to close with this last verse, um, something I'm going to repeat through this series. Uh, it's from the last chapter of Revelation, the last book in the Bible. Um, Revelation 22:17. It's just a couple of verses away from the very last words recorded in, in our Bible. Verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without a price. Jesus offers the greatest invitation in the world. And the cost is free. So please join us as we stand or sing our imitation song.